0: You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can-eat-more... getting this book on ufo's did you know they're real but there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up oh that's just a paranoid fantasy i want to be a book you can pick me
1: up flip through my pages make sure nobody drew wieners in me
0: up your grandmother's book club podcast where we read them so you don't have to because the bottle said rinse and repeat. my name is kevin and i'm joined as always by my co-host benedict who would gladly pay you tuesday for a chip buddy today benedict
1: (laughs) i would pay you gladly on time for a chip buddy that shit is
0: majestic i I don't even know what that is i just googled british foods (laughs) okay so you know
1: like it's like a bat do you know what like a a a bread cake a bap what what do you call those here like a burger bun i guess what
0: a bap yeah See, somehow our show always in the beginning devolves, <laughs> and I, this it's week my plan was genuinely to not do food okay, to start the show. Just real quick. But, it's, it's, now I need to know what the fuck this is. It's a
1: burger bun filled with fries, basically, is, the, is but it's not a burger bun quite, it's a bap, which is a different thing.
0: But Is there like cheese or something no, in there?
1: No, like ketchup maybe mayo if you so want. So just
0: french fries between a bun. But like British with, french
1: fries you know like those chunky ones so like like chips rather than french fries. But Yeah, yeah. you can
0: get those here too yeah. but like that it just sounds bland. It's delicious. It's delicious. I, I would th- I would toss some cheese on it is sure. all I'm saying. Look, I would Look everything can it, be
1: improved with added cheese. That's You
0: want put, to put poutine between a perfect. bun for me? I would do that I'm shit. Put it. some gravy on oh, it? Yeah. Great. Brown gravy? Oh, love, yeah. that. love that. Down with it.
1: Benedict! I'm from the north of England. We put gravy on everything. <laughs> it's great. Sorry, Back what was to your the question? format? Benedict yeah.
0: <laughs> What's the iconic cartoon of your childhood? Ooh, that's
1: a good question. Um I think the one I watched the most of, and the weirdest one, was Cow and Chicken. Do you oh, cow and Chicken? I
0: vaguely remember cow and chicken. There, there was vaguely. like the
1: the cow and the chicken. And then there was I am weasel and I are baboon. That was like a little sub series. Do you remember the series? cat dog though? No, I that was in that same
0: vein of weird animal yeah, characters. But then, Ren and Stimpy.
1: I didn't do Ren and Stimpy. That didn't make it. But the, um, the cow and chicken, it was super weird. And then also like the parents were just like half bodies. And okay. then they did, because they, they, they were always cut off at the waist, but then they did one episode where you, they panned above the waist and there was just nothing there.
0: <laughs> See, that's good. That's good comedy though. Cause that's yeah. that inside. That's that breaking the fourth wall type joke. It's yeah, great yeah, that's about, about animated stuff. The other the, one I,
1: was courage, the cowardly dog, which was oh, scary yeah. as fuck I remember, for someone I that doesn't that. like horror movies like me. That was way beyond my comfort level.
0: Yeah, because you and I grew up in the day when the kids' television channels were just coming into their own, right? So they'd been around for a little while, but yeah. they were just starting to put out all that original content and stuff that was was really interesting and char- starting to do new stuff. So in, in the U.S., we had Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Fox Kids, WB, all those channels yeah. that were aimed just at kids. So we had... A plethora of options. To and then there was like, you know, the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Like I you think get from anywhere.
1: Of the Disney Channel ones, it was Recess, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think I ever really watched that. I know I knew it existed, but I didn't watch yeah. it. It wasn't my thing. I think, I think for me, though, the one is, and I think this is the cartoon, the animated series, is Batman the Animated Series. I don't know if that made it Fair over enough. to the UK.
1: Oh, you know what one I really liked? gargoyles did you ever watch gargoyles yes
0: i do i did i remember gargoyles that that was was some
1: scary shit too
0: (laughs) but batman the animated series and and the reason that i i did this question was because i had my answer because i've been watching it again recently oh yeah uh because i have the dc universe app right which Uh, is where i get all my comics and stuff (laughs) and they have a bunch of shows to watch and it 100 percent completely holds up it is so amazingly good on an art level, on a music level, on a storytelling level. It is the greatest cartoon ever made. Batman the Animated Series from the early 90s. All right.
1: I think we had that. I think Did, we had that. You,
0: if you see it, you know it because it has this beautiful art deco art style. Yeah, I, with, think,
1: yeah, I think it made it. I think we had
0: absolutely it. Absolutely iconic. It looks like the world of Metropolis you know, done in animation. And it's just gorgeous. And they had outstanding storytelling. Loved it, loving it right now, loving watching my way back through it. It was amazing. Okay, But anyways, why don't we move on and get this show a rolling like the Batmobile. Benedict, <laughs> do you have a hot take for us this week?
1: I do, yeah. This was uh, brought to you by me looking around the room five minutes before the show yes, started. because
0: you do no preparation for this I, show. I,
1: I, I did some preparation, actually. I was more prepared for this show than I've been <laughs> for any of the shows in this series in that I'd written my Benedict's book, bookshelf down. Yeah previously anyway my hot take is there should be more alpacas in the world because i think that the world would benefit from more snuggly alpacas and also alpaca wool would then be cheaper and everyone could own alpaca clothing and that would be good
0: all right benedict's hot take this week is that he was lazy (laughs) benedict (laughs) that take was hotter than a stolen 88 ford Taurus.
1: all right all right okay that that joke was lame but carry on carry Uh on
0: well, my hot take this week, uh, and this, is, this is comes off, we, we talk a lot about food on this show. I, I will admit we will never Shortly. be able to escape it because uh, food is life, and mine is that spam gets a bad rap. Uh, because I had uh, recently, you know, going through my cupboards, uh, because I try to avoid going to the store as much as possible lately, right? I don't want, I don't want to a go A
1: responsible out. adult, folks.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've been doing the food deliveries from Safeway, so they bring them to my door, which is nice, so I don't have to go out. But, you know, like, I still feel bad for making those people go out and do all this work out in the, the world.
1: Well, hopefully uh, you but, tip your driver.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always do. I know. Not as much as I wish I could, you know, being a starving student and uh-huh. not having enough patrons to give us a lot of money. Ah. But, uh, but I do try and tip as much as I can, yeah.
1: Help us uh, break but... the forces of wage labor by giving <laughs> us money.
0: But going through the cupboards, you know, trying to, trying to avoid going to the store for longer and going through, you know, all my canned goods and stuff, I found a can of Spam that I had in right. the back, on a, you know, just back on a shelf somewhere, and, and did myself a fried, and going back to sandwiches, did myself a fried Spam sandwich, a Spamwich, if you will, with I a fried worked. egg on top, <laughs> piece of worked. cheese. Oh, man. Spam. And look, processed meats I know are terrible for me. I know they're terrible for me. They're terrible for the world. They're, they're ter- I'm sure they treat the animals horribly. But man, does that spam taste amazing. Oh, there's nothing like it in the I world. I
1: could, what even is it? It's
0: processed meat. Of what kind? Of, of meat, Ben. Okay. <laughs> it's just meat. Sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's a mixture of pork and chicken. I'm 90 okay. percent I'm sure that's what spam is. And it's, you know, not the most attractive bits that to go, get to go. It's spiced all ham, right?
1: That's, is that the portmanteau, spiced ham? or is I, it?
0: Like... I think that is. I think that sounds right. I don't remember if that's correct or not, but that sounds about right. Right. So, you know, canned canned ham, basically, yeah. is, is what it is. And it's it's not bad. Honestly, there are parts of the world that love it, right? And usually it's, like, wherever uh, U.S. servicemen were stationed after World War II for a period of time, like, because Spam was a cheap product they could ship over there a lot. uh, That It just, for some reason, stuck around there, obviously, probably just because it was prevalent and they started cooking with it and found ways to use it. I know it's popular in Hawaii and South Mm. Korea, places like that. Spam gets a bad rap. I think it's not all that bad.
1: That is a very Spammy take. (laughs)
0: That's... Let's do the bookshelf. All right, Benedict. Let's roll over to your bookshelf. What do you got for us this week? Today,
1: I have the Murmur of Bees, which is by Sofia Segovia. It's a little magical. Can't see
0: without his glasses.
1: (laughs) No, Uh, it's so. Is that not the
0: the book version of My Girl? That's what I assume. Because bees, that's all I got. Bees.
1: It's it's a little magical realism uh, set in Mexico in 1917, and it's the backdrop backdrop of the Mexican Revolution and the. Spanish flu pandemic, which makes for good reading right about now, as yeah, as they all made depressing. all the mistakes that were the same. They were like, oh, well, we told everyone to stay home, but then the church <laughs> did a service and then everyone died.
0: So, Why don't you just wear a damn mask?
1: Yeah, that's it. So anyway, that's a good book. It's in translation. Read it in the Spanish. Read it in the English. I don't care how you read it. Just read it.
0: Excellent. This week, uh, I'm I'm being respectful, so I got an actual book for you this week. Oh, uh, wow, bless. Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein, one of my favorite science fiction authors. Uh, no surprise, I love science fiction. Benedict not so much. Um, and Stranger in a Strange Land is one of Heinlein's, you know, top novels, one of his classics. Uh, it's where you would get the word grok. Uh, And and, uh, it's a wonderful book, an interesting story, a person out of their own place, uh, incapable of understanding what's going on on around them and having to to learn about the world and the consequences that come from their actions. It's a wonderful book. I recommend all Heinlein because the the dude just had an uh, out-there mind who could come up with so many amazing ideas. I mean, if you're not going to read Stranger in a Strange Land, read The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, read... I mean, everybody should read um, Starship Troopers just because it's an amazing, wonderful read. Robert Heinlein, one of my favorite science fiction authors.
1: There you go. And not a fascist.
0: Probably. Not a fascist. Uh, more of an uh, anarcho-libertarian, I would say. bit <laughs> of fascist. Uh, potato, potato. Uh, I mean, the anarchist part kind of cuts against the fascism. But yeah. yeah he, he's a weird dude. Definitely a weird dude. But. Let's move on a little bit. We got a couple housekeeping items before we get to the book review this week. Uh, I I realize, you know, we always we get like 10 minutes in before we even mention that this show is about reading books other than. Yeah, we should put that at the start. (laughs) Well, we do where we read them so you don't have to.
1: That's true. true. This is just our prolonging of of our suffering.
0: It always is. And, And, you know, the other part of it is right. You and I have been friends for years. And we obviously only really get to talk, you know, we text and stuff, but we only get to talk like once a week. Yeah. And it's nice to it get is. to make fun of you for your terrible yeah. choices in literature and food and cartoons as well. It's just <laughs> it's just a lot of fun for me. But anyways, a little bit of housekeeping this week. Uh, this is obviously the last chapter of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr. we are doing this week. which To means be honest,
1: chapter 10 was the last chapter of, <laughs> of Triggered.
0: We haven't gotten anything new really since then. I agree. But as it is the last chapter, we are going to be moving on soon to our next book, The Right Side of History by Ben Shapiro. Uh, and so next next new episode will be our preview of that book, where we'll be talking about Ben Shapiro, his history, writing the book. We'll also be doing a little bit of a retrospective on this book, um, trying to figure out what we got from this book, which I think is going to be a bigger challenge for the two of us than, than any normal show that we ever usually do, because... We haven't gotten a whole lot from this book at all.
1: No, no. I I realized I was nodding, which is very helpful for a podcast.
0: (laughs) But uh, with that, of course, we also have, uh, as we promised to our patrons, the patron book giveaway coming up so we have two copies obviously my copy and Benedict's copy of this book uh, which we will be putting names into a hat and pull or more likely whatever bowl I can find closest to me uh, and and pulling out the names of the two people who will get our copies of the books with all of our notes and highlighting and jokes I forgot to say on the air and all that fun stuff they'll be in there uh, so if you want to be entered to win a copy of our books remember you have to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash NYGBC for as little as $2 an episode get all the fun stuff you know what to do over there i say it every episode you know what we're doing but
1: if you would like to withdraw yourself from consideration <laughs> for that shit you have that right as a patron you
0: yes, do you not do. want the yes, you do. maybe
1: we should just mail it to random listeners of the show <laughs> that aren't patrons the patrons have don't to get their get addresses considered.
0: somehow yeah yeah we'll have to cyberstalk people who listen to the show and get their addresses uh but with that we return to our book review of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., the first thing that comes to your mind when someone says the phrase, spotted dick. <laughs> so, Benedict, what do we read this week? Well, Kevin,
1: this week we read Chapter 17, Trump 2020, which is a summation of all the key points of the book. So, nothing. Nothing. <laughs>
0: you're're you're, you're correct. There were no points made in this book and and it's general so I, I usually don't do an outline when we get ready to do the show uh, because we generally don't need it. We're working out of our actual physical copies of the books. Yeah. Uh, but I did this week because I was trying to figure out okay, what's what's he saying? So I did sort of a reverse outline right where you read something and try to outline uh, how they structured the chapter. Yeah, uh, so this is my outline I wrote out for this chapter. Uh, starting with, I accomplished so much. I mean, we. I mean, not really me, but my dad. Uh, Mueller investigation, under which I just had comparing himself to MLK. Uh, parenthetical, yeah. fuck him. Uh, fuck. Ma- mad yeah, that yeah. Clapper, McCabe, and Brennan get on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, all uppercase, fake news. Mm-hmm. Followed by, damn you political correctness! <laughs> followed by, brown people are ungrateful. Yeah,
1: that one was a that, yeah. <laughs>
0: And lastly, he did stuff. He totally did stuff. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. what I got out of this I, chapter.
1: I, I was waiting for for the last one, but that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's the, the last one is Keep America Great.
0: Yeah, it really should have a, a series of question marks at the end of it. Uh but Benedict, do you have an alternate chapter title for us this week? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was different. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's why i should go into politics because you know (laughs) that this is why he's he's gearing himself up there's a couple of lines in there that are like oh these prominent republicans said (laughs) i would be a really good politician so you know that he's gearing himself up for that shit.
0: real question how many years out do you think we are from him running
1: oh i think he'd probably run in 2028 Genuinely,
0: you don't. You don't think twenty twenty four. You think no, another a think, little while longer. I think he's he's going to wait for dad to die first.
1: Maybe or may. I I think it's tough to beat an incumbent, generally. So true. He, true. Th- you probably don't want to lose to Biden twice if Biden wins. So, <laughs> if Trump wins, he might run in twenty twenty four. If Biden wins, I think he would wait till twenty twenty eight. Is my I, sense on it.
0: But I I think we both agree he probably will in some form run in a election. Yeah. In, I don't know if he'll be the might. Republican
1: nominee, but he'll I think he'll do the same thing of prevaricate prevaricating and threatening to run and
0: I, I can see himself running for mayor of Sarasota, Florida.
1: <laughs> he might run for mayor of New York. Oh, That'd God. be fun.
0: <laughs> no one in that family is even welcome in New York City again. No.
1: They moved that. Well, I mean, the mayor is not great, to be fair.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> it's hard to be worse than Donnie Jr. Uh, so, my. I, I had a simple alternate chapter title this week, which was just Final Grievances. <laughs> Basically, all we get out of this chapter. Starts it, it's
1: on- actually, it's more like. And I just thought this now. So please forgive the the rough ideas. But you know, at the end of... I don't know if you've ever written a long article or book-length thing. But at the end, I will often put like rough notes for like (laughs) where I've cut shit. And like I had an idea. And then I thought of a better way of phrasing it. But just in case I took that out, I had it down at the end. I
0: thought we already had a chapter that was just that we had decided. (laughs) Maybe. Where you just put all those things together. I think we had a chapter earlier in this book that was just that.
1: Anyway, that's what I think this is. It's like the rough version of of all his ideas, but somehow written worse than it, they were the first time they were introduced.
0: Yeah, you would expect him to get better at writing down his ideas by the end of
1: the book. No, no. Oh, oh by the way, I read the acknowledgments. I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but he he thanks like seven different people at Eshet a- Books, so he must have had some, <laughs> some editor.
0: No, no, I still deny that there's any possibility he had an editor for these books. Uh, those, those are just the people he bribed to publish this.
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: Uh, so we begin this chapter. But I am telling us that he's not exactly a Hallmark card type of guy.
1: Well, not I, really... hold on. B- before you start, if, you, if I may, it's, he begins the chapter by saying, in case you haven't noticed. Which <laughs> All is just, in uppercase. Yeah, yes. Which is, uh, but, is great.
0: But he doesn't have that sort of sentimentality. He doesn't have that, that emotional side to him, which is, is you know, 100% true and obvious to anyone who has any sort of you know, self-awareness. No, no, he doesn't have any of that. But he yeah, also, also puts
1: I, I, I'm not an emotionally available father or husband, <laughs> is what true, he's saying. True,
0: And he puts bleh at the end of it, after uh, uh, getting all misty about the past. Like then, a
1: teenager. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but he says, quote, But every once in a while, I do look back at what my father and the rest of my family and friends have managed to accomplish these past few years, and even I am taken slightly aback. Which is the point in this book where I realized... I don't think he has to this point given us any sort of concrete things that they have accomplished. Yeah. They're, we, they're, yeah. They're, even when they're talking about things that actually have been done, right? There have we can quantify the number of miles of new wall built, and it's mm. very small, obviously. But they never give us any sort of concrete idea that it's always talked about in abstractions, right? Building the wall. That's an abstraction of the concept which is you know, concretely talked about by this is the number of miles of wall that we built. And the reason is, obviously, because their accomplishments are so small and so petty that they don't have anything really to talk about concretely.
1: Well, that, that's also the thing. And I was thinking about this because th- there's a point in in this chapter where he criticizes Obama and says, I, I, it's it's in a few pages, but I'll say it now. He says, like, Obama did things to free trade and free speech that I could not abide. And I was like, yeah, that's... their grievances are very petty in the same way of like they're 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 exclusively anecdotal and it's like i didn't like this so like and but not explaining how it's actually harmful or how it's you know obama did things that we criticized drone strikes in the middle east not great generally but just having there's no data behind it there's no actual facts driven stuff other than this made me feel bad
0: well i think that's because their their grievances are abstract mm. they aren't concrete and so that's why they they're only able to talk about them in that way right in it's the same way they talk about their accomplishments because exactly. as you say it's
1: it, 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 it's and fuzzy, here's like, i think i think their
0: accomplishments what they believe are their accomplishments are based off of those same abstract grievances it's all a giant abstraction it's all a. a Snake fucking its own tail. Uh, it's all a giant abstraction. That's <laughs> all it is.
1: What's that? An aurophagus? Uh, Ourobor- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somebody draw that for me, please. Uh, <laughs> but he says, "quote." Uh, skipping down a little bit. Well, I before got to you do. Be- it's yeah. the,
1: the laughable fact of together we took on the most corrupt political machine in the history of the United <laughs> States and won, which just as if we didn't know, just shows Bro, a remarkable Have you even heard like, of
0: Teapot Dome? Yeah. Have you even heard of Teapot Dome?
1: Tammany Hall, like, <laughs> come on.
0: Well, there's, mm. there's, more, there's more corrupt stuff out there. We have a past where yeah. corruption was much easier to do.
1: Yeah. And generally
0: generally accepted at the time. Yeah. Uh but he says about himself, this is another of those times where he's incapable of even giving himself, you know, because he's he's for some reason being a little bit honest and incapable of giving himself credit. And so, I, I don't want to say credit, he's incapable of giving himself top billing because he knows he's, he doesn't have it. Where he says, it was the greatest political episode in the history of American politics, and I got to be the tip of the spear, comma, or at least the tip of one of the spears. <laughs> I just love every time he does that and knocks himself down a little peg. Look, maybe really I wasn't
1: the tip of the spear, but I was like at least two rows behind the guy that was <laughs> holding the front spear, but then he kind of dropped his spear. So he had to go back and get it. And by yeah. the time I got there, you know, I, I was there. I was so if there. you've
0: never seen a Roman phalanx, I'm not <laughs> the guy with the shield. I'm that guy in the back. Who's like, you know, carrying the water and stuff and i i have a spear but it doesn't quite get all the way to the front. i'm gonna be really pedantic kind of and
1: one. say that the romans didn't tend to use the phalanx as a as a military tactic
0: i'm very sorry it's... that you have such a terrible life you have to correct me it on was that. more that a, it was a, a, more a macedonian person
1: macedonian tactic that the romans you know actually disrupted with the shield war
0: you know what's even funnier about that is that deep down I knew that because I took a class in undergrad at Berkeley which was just entitled War! exclamation point, And it was all it was a political science class, but my professor, like, the first half of the class was like, you know, how we did war throughout history, right? So you can understand you know, the mechanics of war, then it helps you to understand the political things that, ha- that happened surrounding war. And like, we had a demonstration in class where my professor, when he was teaching us about the Macedonian phalanx, brought in a bunch of pieces, along long PVC pipe, and had people, and this was a class with like 200 students, had a bunch of us come up to the front, and I was one of them, and stand there with the PVC pipe, that. and form a Phalanx, point our spears forward, you know, lift them up, turn 90 degrees, put them forward. We had to do that. And so deep down, I did know <laughs> the correct answer.
1: Oh, fun times.
0: Really fun times, my friend. Uh, it throws in a random dig here at uh, AOC and gender neutral, blah, 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 binary genders. He's a piece of shit. All that kind of stuff, of course. But the next thing he's going to get into, this is going to be uh, repeating throughout this chapter, is complaining about all of what we've heard, the entirety of the book. They've been illegally investigating us, blah, blah, blah. I didn't actually meet with a Russian spy in Trump Tower trying to get information on Hillary Clinton, even though I completely admitted that that was my goal. And acknowledge
1: that. My my favorite bit of the the intro of this is, uh, like, who would have thought that one day my father would have been the target of one of the nation's top (laughs) intelligence agencies? Like, that was not unreasonable (laughs) for a Donald Trump. Like, just... You know, because of some of the alleged deals that were it made. It probably happened
0: in the 80s when he yeah. was connected to the mob and, and making casinos fail, too. It Certainly probably happened it then as well. So, like, who, who could
1: have possibly imagined?
0: <laughs> A lot of people. Uh, but this is where he throws out the comparison between himself and his family to Martin Luther King Jr., uh, where I did, again, and I think I've written this several times throughout this book— keep his name out your damn mouth Mm -hmm. uh where he he actually goes on to the comparison where they were you know obviously claiming that martin luther king was a communist and out to destroy the united states and you know the same exact things that he and his father say about everyone who's protesting right now that's
1: true but also he says go ahead and stop me if any of this sounds familiar And the four things he's just listed is an agent of Russia. Okay, Trump's been accused of that. Sympathetic to communists. Trump has never been accused of that. Mm -hmm. Out to destroy the United States with his speeches. Eh, maybe. And boycotts. What? This has nothing to do with Trump. So, like, none of that sounds particularly familiar.
0: But I think the party's going on next is where he talks about how they treated it. By making his life a living hell. And sending him a letter saying that only way out of that would be suicide. Which, like... Horrible, shitty fucking thing J. Edgar Hoover should have been thrown in fucking prison mm-hmm. long before he died of, of metastasized assholism uh, for the terrible, horrible fucking things he did. But, like, you know, the, it's, the real comparison, right, is, you know, sticking fucking riot squads and dogs on him when he was marching through town, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, it brings me back to the p- similarities between then and the protesters of now. That's the end of obviously when this book was written, those protests weren't going on. But I think even if we were to have Donnie Jr. in a room today and point those things out to him, he would try and weasel out and pretend there was a difference there.
1: Yeah, I do have to say I'm fully on board with broad criticism of the leadership of the FBI there.
0: That's (laughs) fully,
1: fully with him on that.
0: I think we're all on board with that, Benedict. I think mm-hmm. CIA, yeah, CIA as well. We can throw the CIA in there. Couple, CIA, couple NSA, things. They're not the NSA.
1: We love the NSA. No,
0: the, yes, NSA. If you can hear me, <laughs> Oklahoma ballpark pickle tomato peanut one two three four cornmeal I'm naming <laughs> things I see in my house now. Uh, I don't know. Is that a code? Maybe I just activated all the nuclear missiles. Oh no. Uh, but but he says, quote, after living through the past three years, can you honestly say that anything has really changed, again, referring to Martin Luther King, or is it just more of the same? Well, you know, um, yeah, things have changed a lot. Uh, you're the one doing those assholest things now. I, I just, I keep going back to that. It yeah. doesn't really matter. We've talked about it plenty of times throughout this
1: also, uh, the, but- the, the whole the whole thing of this, this whole book really has been trying to, and I guess rich people do this a lot. Is trying to portray your extremely establishment position as the outsider underdog, mm-hmm. and I think that I mean that's generally a populist tactic. But that I think that that has been what this whole chapter is about. Like they're out to get us.
0: Like no, you are the they.
1: <laughs> that is true, been, right? Yeah.
0: And, and, I think when we talked about last, and I disagree with you a little bit because we talked about last chapter. I think right where I was, the point I was trying to make is that conservatism no longer is trying to maintain a status quo. We, the new status quo is moving towards more progressive ideas and positions. And so in some way, they are trying to radically change our system towards whatever their fucked up view of society is. So there, there is something subversive about that. I wouldn't agree with how he would think about it, how he would portray it. But I think it's not entirely wrong to say that they are culture, since the culture is against them
1: yeah maybe maybe I, I i just you know i i think the republican party is trump's party and the republican party is in power so <laughs> there's a difference between counterculture and counter political too long a discussion to get into yeah. here we can maybe do it <laughs> next week let's do it next week
0: we'll do it in the wrap-up uh so we the next thing he brings up is the doj inspector and it, again this is just more griping about how unfairly is and this is like what, four, five, six pages of just complaining about the investigations into them.
1: Oh, I laughed Uh, at this when he's like, oh, according to my friend Rudy Giuliani,
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is a cry. So talking about the DOJ uh, Inspector General Report about Comey and the documents uh, that he leaked... um, he, yes, you're, you're right. What he says is, uh, quote, a crime that, according to our friend Rudy Giuliani, a former federal prosecutor, should have landed Comey in jail. And, yeah, I, ha, 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 Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> uh, and, and I had to, I, of course, as I do, I research, I look into these things. And, of course, uh, there was no citation in this book, as we have come to expect.
1: No, there are two, there two citations back. for this whole <laughs> chapter. No,
0: two for the whole chapter. Uh, and one was a Fox News article. Uh, just it was an opinion piece on Fox News, uh, and and so what this ta- what I'm assuming he was talking about here was the DOJ Inspector General report talking about the documents that James Comey leaked to um, Benjamin Wittes, uh, and so he's just completely wrong there because that report actually found that he broke policy but not any criminal laws, and there was no charges to be filed there. That it's just. And I also found, contrary to what he claims here, uh, that he actually didn't give any classified information to anyone in the media. Uh, he had redacted and withheld any classified information before he gave those documents out. So it's just it's the same claim they've made over and over. Uh, he calls it an attempted coup because of course, words don't mean things anymore. But he goes on to to sort of step back from his criticism of the FBI because, of course, these are law and order people if we've learned as we've learned from our president over the past several months. Uh, and he says, quote, I have no problem with the door kickers, the men and women of our law enforcement agencies whose boots are on the ground, whose jack boots rather, are on the ground. I think those are the ones he has no problems with. <laughs> yeah. But he says, and I think this is somewhat true, in my experience, they are overwhelmingly MAGA. But I think it's somewhat true because there's a correlation between wanting to do that type of work and a conservative mindset.
1: Yeah, I think I, I was talking about this with someone the other day, and I think the um, police forces, and whether you include the FBI on that, generally, but like police forces generally are are very Trump supporting, in a way that, and we were talking about this in the context of of the election potentially being a problem, um, with mail in voting and the the results taking a while to announce potentially, um, the the police is quite pro-Trump very pro-Trump but the military isn't so much the military is about probably 55 45
0: more evenly split yeah
1: yeah and amongst the officer corps is certainly very anti-Trump yeah um and a lot of the higher ups are are, and i'm not saying that the military should should put its thumb on the scales i'm just saying the military is less likely to Put its thumb on the scales in you favor of Trump. You heard it here, Trump. folks.
0: Benedict wants a military coup. <laughs> that is Taking not what I'm Donald saying. Trump. I'm, just saying I am, I am I'm just saying. I am portraying your words as perfectly as donnie Junior does if everyone he quotes.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying the military is less likely than people may think to put its thumb on the scales in favor of Trump.
0: See, I'm not really worried about that. that I'm not worried about the sort of fascist military takeover that, that I think a lot of people I always what, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm worried what I'm legitimately worried about is and we've talked about this in the past I think the legitimate fear of the trumpiest of Trump supporters committing horrendous acts of violence in the event that he loses I think I, I think there's a legitimate fear there of that mm-hmm. happening and and it it's a scary I live in DC right so one way or the other I'll probably be at the inauguration just because it's an event you know it's a historic event. That it's something I think, since I have the opportunity to see it in my lifetime, it's something I should probably be there for, uh, whether it's protesting or, or just you know watching. Um, and so I have had like those those fears, like what if there's a fucking attack on the fucking inauguration if Biden wins or something, right? Like I had a dream about that a couple days ago. Oh, I gosh. legitimately had a dream about that, where like I was at the inauguration, there was a fucking attack. So that it's a legitimate worry for me. I don't think we have to worry about the military or anything like that. But uh I, I, like I said, there are some legitimate fears there. So the next couple pages we get are just the same. It's just it's pages of, of the the media hates us, fake news, screeching. That's all we get for the next couple pages. I didn't find a single thing over three pages that was worth talking about.
1: I, I like the bit where he tied himself in knots. Uh about, like, he was criticizing people for writing books, and then he's like, oh, but I wrote a book, so, <laughs> you know, they wrote books of lies, and my books are about lies, so... And okay, that, that, was, that was a
0: little funny, yes, yes, books! Lots of books. Uh, but we continue on, we get to the next section where things pick back up again, talking again about the campaign in 2015, which has been play the, the primary hits.
1: play the primary, hits.
0: Yeah, play the hits man of course he brings up hillary he has to bring up hillary uh because how can you not be talking about a, a 2020 election and bring up hillary I, you, you just can't do it but he I, says, at what
1: point by the way can can one sue someone for defamation for alleging that they killed people
0: that is something I was definitely going to talk about. We're a few pages away from it. Okay. We will get to it because he pulls an Alex Jones. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what level he's at, but he pulls an Alex Jones. Oh, uh, We'll get okay. there. Um, so talking about 2015 again, he says, quote, the first thing I noticed was that people were fed up with liberal censorship and political correctness, which, again, I just want to emphasize is they wanted to be assholes with no consequences. Yeah. That's yeah. the entirety of people who are mad at political correctness. There's no other way to explain that. But he he gets into some pretty ridiculous descriptions of these sorts of things, including, quote, I met conservative college kids who were terrified to identify themselves in class for fear that liberal professors would retaliate. And I think we've talked about this before. But that fear on behalf of conservative students, which when I began my college uh, uh, path, right, at community college, I think I had a little bit of that. And I soon realized that that was a me thing. Right? Because the reason I felt that way because, was because conservative media told me that was going to happen. It wasn't reality. It was conservative media telling me I was going to be attacked by my professors if I brought up my conservative ideas. And the reality is, if I brought up my conservative ideas, I wouldn't have been able to support them. Yeah. So I would have been checked. And that's the problem. That's where they run into issues.
1: But what about all these ideas on college campuses?
0: <laughs> I should never say the word ideas when talking to you. I'm just going to
1: do Ruben impressions. You always bust that one This is my homage to Michael Brooks. That's that's what I'm doing. Never Uh, let you forget about the ideas.
0: Jesus Christ. Uh, So, you know, more complaining. They only read the New York Times and watch MSNBC, liberal media, blah, blah, blah. The jokes are no longer funny. My friends don't like me anymore. Not surprising at all. But he says now that, that... he had never had a deep emotional attachment to Manhattan, which I think is cuts contrary to what he said throughout this book yeah. about being a New Yorker. But he says, quote, but now I felt like a stranger in a strange land, which is where I got my book suggestion for this oh, week. Oh, fun. And I just wrote in the margins, oh, you think you're Michael Smith? Well, grok you, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Mother grokker. Yeah. Uh,
0: you haven't read that book, so you don't I get it. I haven't. I
1: don't get it. But I'm laughing along like a good co-host.
0: Do you grok it? I, surely. Do you grok? Yes. Do, okay, I... good. We grok. Uh, <laughs> but he said, he, this next paragraph he gets into, he sort of recognizes that his dad is the problem. And, and I don't think that he really does, but he sort of, without meaning to, recognizes that his dad is the problem. When he says, quote, "'Look, I'm aware that there's an unhealthy amount of division and divisiveness in this country right now, and I know many people blame my father for that. With so many media organizations trashing him day and night, I'm not surprised.'" But this kind of bitter division predates my father's announcement speech by a long, long time. Which I'll pause and say, yeah, of course, we have had divisiveness in this country. But the problem is, his father has actively played to it and amplified it. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. And then he says, quote, continuing, people all over the country have been feeling it for years. All he did was bring the fight from the small towns and diners of America into the halls of Congress and the White House. Which I think sort of acknowledges... That his father, and because remember, he's referencing the divisiveness. Mm-hmm. His father brought that divisiveness to a mass scale, to a much larger scale than it was on before.
1: I, I think you're just giving him too much credit for being a bad writer. <laughs> I, I really, I really don't think that he meant that. I just think that he meant that. Uh, oh, someone gave the little guys a voice. I don't think he. I don't think he tied it back to the divisiveness.
0: I, I think you're probably correct, but I still want to read what I want to read. Sure. Uh, so we move on, and yes, this is where we get to talk about his future political uh, prospects here where he brings up a totally fake Atlantic article, or actually he says, mostly false (laughs) article
1: by the Atlantic. Apart from the one bit that I liked, which was totally true.
0: Don't you love that when they claim something is totally false and then cherry pick out the part that they like? My favorite
1: bit is when people call the New York Times fake and then are like, I have a New York Times bestseller, by the way. That's my
0: favorite. (laughs) Yeah, but his has a dagger next to it. Yeah, Uh, and, And the quote he pulls, he just pulls out a block quote from it. And the entire reason he did that was just, a couple of people praising Don Jr. That's the entirety of it. And one of them was uh, uh, Chris Ruddy, the CEO of Newsmax, uh, Kevin McCarthy, and Rand Paul. I think those were the the main three that he talked about there. And that's the entirety of the reason he pulled that out. He wanted to put in some people who were praising him because even in these last couple pages, he's had to admit that it's about his dad, not about him. So he needs a little bit of pick-me-up, a little bit of a, a boost there for himself emotionally. So he says, quote, Even if you immediately following after that block paragraph, even if you leave aside all the good my father has done for the country in terms of policy since he's been in the White House. And there is plenty from the economy to tax cuts to our standing in the world to (laughs) appointing two great justices to the Supreme Court and countless lower court appointees, which, again, that's all that vague nonsense. Our standing in the world.
1: Literally no country respects it respects the u.s more than they did under obama everyone except i think maybe israel i think israel now
0: likes possibly the US more. possibly but the, the one thing and look this is nitpicky but he said countless lower point lower court appointees and i just wanted to point out that they are literally countable yep. we literally know exactly how that many that is a bad adjective to use <laughs> but then he continues on with a few more it's, of his it's because he
1: can't count over 10 without the <laughs> without taking his shoes off
0: But he continues on with some of the vague accomplishments that they had, starting with, quote, Prison reform, not exactly a conservative thing. Opportunity zones, not something that directly benefits his base. There is no base for him in inner cities.
1: Wild! An absolutely wild thing to say. What do you
0: mean by inner city, Don? Let me get the parenthetical there. Parenthetical. Although based on the results he's getting on the economy, there should be, and he's working hard to change that.
1: What do you yes, think he means by inner Kevin? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that so much. I, mean, I think we our listeners
1: about, are smart enough to know what that means.
0: Yeah, we've talked about the prison reform thing, something he had nothing to do with. Opportunity zones was just another thing included in the 2017 tax cut bill, which, again, he had nothing to do with, and several also, Democrats, has including Cory Booker, also promoted that.
1: Signed measure. the whatever that suburban stuff is, is banning um, multi-unit housing in the suburbs, like literally two weeks ago.
0: Those are called lack of opportunity zones. Yes. Uh, But then we get back to Hillary Clinton. Of course, we have to get back to Hillary Clinton. We talked about all those accomplishments, and now... We have to learn how Hillary. Clinton Oh, my, uh, do sorry.
1: That. Just before you go on to that, he he, he he didn't run a campaign based on polling groups. He did it based on his gut, on decades of experience. And this is my favorite bit. And on, on the applause and cheers of the forgotten men and women of this country who were being heard for the first time in decades. Do you know that drill tweet that's like looking at the audience and turning up the big dial that says racism <laughs> as they as they cheer?
0: But Donald Trump's racism dial goes to eleven. It goes to 11. But we get back to Hillary Clinton, of course, because what else is more logically to follow after all, you know, in this chapter about Trump 2020 and all these accomplishments he's had, then Hillary Clinton. Of course, she couldn't have had this job growth that basically just tracks exactly what the trajectory that the country was on prior to Trump coming into office. <laughs> what, what would she know? She hasn't created any jobs Maybe for, and this is, I, I love, we've talked about this before. Maybe for a position for someone who bleaches her servers. <laughs> and I've talked about how much I love that because my mom literally thinks it means pouring bleach onto things. Because because the the program that they used Bleach was Bit, called yeah. Bleach Bit and my parents are the Trump demo and I just I still love that. But this but, is where we get into Alex Jones territory. Well you were before
1: about. you get my my favorite thing is like no Democrat has ever created a job. Like what? You think there are no Democrat businessmen ever? <laughs> like even by your stupid definition of it, you think there has never been a Democrat business person in Congress. That is extremely dumb.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's stupid. It's admittedly stupid, but this is where we get, like you were talking about earlier, into the Alex Jonesing of this book. Where, and I think there's enough vagueness in here that he's not he's not in any sort of trouble for for you know saying these things about Hillary Clinton. Where he says, "quote In 2016, there was only one corrupt Democrat, at least only one we had to worry about. Admittedly." Hillary was the kind who can escape prosecution at the highest levels of the government despite clear evidence of crimes. The kind whose en- enemies always seem to, in quotes, commit suicide under mysterious circumstances.
1: See, that, That's... I mean, that seems not great. Like, especially It's not, not but not he not follows even... it up with... He follows not, it up well, with... Well, hold on, but before you go, just like despite clear evidence of crimes like can you just say that about people like that seems bad well
0: hillary clinton is a public person right she is she is a celebrity she is a politician it's much harder to prove slander libel defamation against public people than it is against private individuals right so uh and there's room there because obviously the republicans have spent you know millions upon millions of dollars in pretending that the entirety of the left are all criminals and trying to flag them with false crimes and all this shit. And I think what he's referencing is the Vince Foster conspiracy theory about Hillary Clinton, who was a staffer who committed suicide back in, I think it was like 1993 or something, um, in a park here in Washington, D.C. And, you know, because he was connected to the Clintons immediately, for no reason, conspiracy that he, he had been murdered by somebody. Uh, it was just, it's a sad story of a guy who committed suicide uh, and it's terrible that he would, you know, say that about someone and you know someone whose family is still alive and and who have had to put up with all this conspiracy theory bullshit for so long. Um, it's it's stupid. But I think the place where he gets out of any legal troubles is where he follows that up with quote, and as the conservative comedians jokingly say, she can't suicide us all. Which where I think is where he gets into. Oh look, I'm just joking about this. I think there's enough leeway there and not enough specificity that that he could. I mean, he's clearly
1: saying that she kills people or orders people killed, so...
0: Ah, He's implying it. Because remember, commit suicide is in scare quotes. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) It's very much a big sigh kind of chapter. Yeah. But we're towards the end. We are pages away from the end of this book. We get to the next major section where he goes and says, quote, I began this book telling you I wasn't mad. I'm still not. After all, there's a Love lot to feel Love to reiterate good about. that. The, the least mad people I've ever met are the ones constantly telling you that they are not mad. Yep. And this is where we get another one of the amazing hipster coffee shop stories that Donnie Jr. has been been tossing in throughout this book. Where he's talking about going out on a date on Valentine's Day with Kimberly, <laughs> his girlfriend. Uh, where they were at a nice restaurant and they are paying their tab and getting ready to go. And quote, a woman got up, pointed at me and yelled, you! I thought, here we go. Here comes a fight with grandma on Valentine's Day. And then it happened. She, came, she said to us and the entire restaurant, you have the biggest balls in the world and you don't take crap from anyone. Keep it up. She broke the ice as the entire place erupted in applause. 1,000% that story did not happen. I'll that take nev- never happened bullshit. for
1: 2,000, Alex. <laughs> That's uh, the
0: biggest bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the biggest and, and I you know the reason I call it a hipster coffee shop story is that is an absolute Jacob wool level pathetic uh, fabrication of a story right there.
1: Yeah, no, that, um, it's yeah <sighs> it, it, it is again, a big sigh kind of story, a big sigh kind of chapter. It's just nonsense all around.
0: So, continuing on, uh, he gets into job numbers, job market looking good. Of course, obviously, we can't slight him for the fact that this was published well before the current coronavirus crisis. But I did pick up on it. I don't know if you noticed this. He said, quote, We have the lowest unemployment rate ever for blacks, Latinos, and Asians. Ever. Come on. He said ever twice. That bugs me. Also, he didn't capitalize blacks, despite capitalizing Latinos and Asians. Uh, you know, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, but,
1: I, think, I think that's only just changed in most style guides, to I fair. know,
0: I know, but he's a dumbass. Sorry, uh, there's, then, a,
1: there's enough to dunk on without dunking on him for stuff that is there not... Is <laughs> there is plenty. Uh, the,
0: the double use of ever is one thing, though, that I will not let go of. There's, an, uh, there's a
1: double use of just somewhere coming out. Yeah, he's a shitty
0: writer, man. We shouldn't have to say that over and over again every single chapter we review. Uh, but he says next about manufacturing jobs and how they've brought them back. He says, well, President Obama once famously said that you would need a magic wand to bring back manufacturing jobs dur- lost during his administration. Well, abracadabra, Mr. Former President, (laughs) the Trump administration has added one million manufacturing, construction, and energy jobs. And, uh, you know, obviously, I I would like to point out that according to the uh, Economic Policy Institute, uh, that's that's, exactly the same rate of job growth in those sectors as we had from 2010 to 2016. So, again, claiming accomplishments from...
1: That's also a misquote of what Obama said.
0: It is, yeah. Yeah. But again, right, claiming accomplishments, and and that's the big gig of the Trumps and the Trump family and, and Donald Trump, right, is claiming accomplishments for the fact that before the pandemic happened, things just generally continued on the same upward trajectory they were on since 2010 and the economic recovery. Just a general improvement, slow and steady, things just went up. And they claim, you know, great, huge accomplishments from time passing. And now we're going to get into a little bit of him getting, like, we started off talking about, right, those accomplishments, right, those vague accomplishments. We're going to get a little bit more into that now. And he's going to start off with talking about, you know, the taxes. Of course, they're always going to bring up taxes. We cut taxes. We cut taxes. We cut taxes. Only thing Republicans ever have to talk about is cutting taxes because that's what they think is their solution to everything. But he does say, quote, nor do I think anyone can argue with his executive order to cut two regulations for every new one. I can't. I can. We've been over I can this argue many times. It. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. I don't even need to do it right now. It was a dumb move. It was a stupid move. It literally ground everything to a screeching halt, including their own effort to deregulate, because that is a stupid thing to do. It's a stupid fucking thing to do because in order to repeal a regulation, you have to pass a regulation repealing that regulation. It was a stupid fucking thing to do. They had a bunch of incompetent nitwits in the entirety of our regulatory apparatus who didn't know what the fuck they were doing and didn't pay attention to any of our career civil servants who would have, you know, it's their job to make sure that things are done properly with the right process. And they just didn't because they didn't trust any of them because they're assholes. He also, probably with some level of regret, claims that, quote, After decades of inaction, my father has also taken the first steps toward a lasting peace in the Korean Peninsula. Okay. Can't can't fault him for not knowing what would happen after this book was published, but one of those things like when they they always cite to someone who they now hate, uh, we always have to laugh at a little bit. Uh, But another list of accomplishments. He took us out of the costly and ineffective Paris Climate Agreement shitty fucking move he got us out of the lousy obama and clinton era trade deals including the trans-pacific partnership and nafta
1: we'll point out again that the tpp was not signed i don't believe and that nafta was a bush era thing
0: also that nafta was the north american free trade agreement in its current form still exists it's just renamed and has some brushing around the edges that's the entirety of what the new trade deal was the yeah. what, what i can't even remember the name of it is right now off the top of my head the uh, uh,
1: USM something?
0: USMCA. Yeah, it's NAFTA with changing of the numbers. And then we get into a more solid list. So we, he finally gives us some bullet points with things we should be able to look at and figure out what has he done and how is this his... It should be. These are his clear accomplishments. These are concrete. These are not abstract. These are not vague. These should be things that we can be able to look at and say, yes, that is something Donald Trump did. Starting with... The Trump administration is providing more affordable health care options for Americans through association health plans and short term plans. OK, he also is trying to eliminate health care for millions of people currently at this moment uh, yep. and has been trying to do that for the entirety of his administration.
1: Yep. It's okay. like Schrodinger's health care plan. You were doing pre-existing conditions at the same time as we're arguing in court that (laughs) pre-existing
0: conditions should not be Oh, but he signed an executive order saying pre-existing conditions are going to stay while he's in court trying to fight to take away pre-existing conditions. Yeah. (laughs) Next, the FDA approved more affordable generic drugs than ever before in history. And thanks to our efforts, many drug companies are freezing or reversing planned pricing. That's
1: nothing to do with the Trump administration, though, presumably. That's just the FDA... I can give him.
0: Like, I can give him a tiny bit of credit for doing what basically any president would have done. Sure, I, I, that's about it. I can give him on that one. The administration has reformed the Medicare program to stop hospitals from overcharging low-income seniors on their drugs, saving seniors hundreds of millions of dollars this year alone. Again, that's just bills that he signed and had no input in on the processes. And
1: he also, wanted. he wants to cut Medicare.
0: Yes, in well. the long term. He signed the right-to-try legislation, greenlighting experimental drugs for terminally ill people. Again, another thing he had no involvement with until it was passed in Congress and came to him and then made a huge deal out of signing. Yeah, it. this
1: isn't his agenda. This is no. bipartisan no. stuff in Congress, generally. Doing, because-
0: Yeah, taking credit for bipartisan stuff. Uh, secured $6 billion in new funding to fight the opioid epidemic. <laughs> Again, not him. Democrats were pushing for more than $6 billion, by the way. Uh, he has reduced high-dose opioid prescriptions by 16% during his first year on of office. What's he and doing?
1: Going around doctor I, to doctor I and slapping prescriptions out. Out, of his, out of their hands? Like
0: tried to find out what the fuck that could be about. And literally, I found nothing from Trump about that, about high-dose opioids, until 2018. That's the first time I could find when he mentioned it. So I could find nothing. I can only assume it's continuation of policies from the previous administration, or it's a backlash to the opioid epidemic that we've had in this country for a decade now, and we have just finally started doing things about it. That's the only thing I can assume about that, because I could find absolutely zero that the Trump administration did on it.
1: Yeah, that. maybe it's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't keep prescribing all these opioids that are killing people now that we're aware of that.
0: Next, he signed the VA Choice Act and VA Accountability Act and has expanded VA telehealth services, walk-in clinics, and same-day urgent se- urgent primary and mental health care. Again, just the other day, he left the room after getting asked about how he continues to lie about being the one who signed the bill when what he really signed was just a bill continuing funding for those yeah, programs.
1: There's a slight expansion of it, I believe, but...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The original was definitely not... It was 2014, no, I think. It wasn't even 2014, close.
0: you are correct. You are absolutely correct. Next, he has done what no other president before him could. Move the United States Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Uh, A so great I achievement for the United there. States. <laughs> yes, I had to put in my editor's note there and say, should, should. Um... Next, no American president has ever appointed two conservative justices to the Supreme Court who are better than Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. I wonder if he's
1: changed his mind since the DACA (laughs) rulings.
0: Can you get more amorphous and nonsensical bullshit than that?
1: Ridiculous.
0: Ridiculous. No, there's nothing here. There's nothing here on their list of accomplishments. And you would think. Also, that when he it's was only this like book,
1: 10. There's like 10 at most from four years. And four of them are like, eh, is this really an accomplishment?
0: Right. And there's been some stuff he's dropped in throughout this chapter. Right? Like we've talked about that were just in paragraphs, not in that bullet pointed list, right? Pulling out of the TPP and things like that. But again, I don't see anything you can call accomplishments. On the Republican side, you can call tax cuts an accomplishment, but that's not something Donald Trump spearheaded. That's just a result of electing a majority of Republicans in the House and the Senate. They're going to cut they're going to pass a tax cut bill. There's nothing that Donald Trump has pushed for that has been successful. His first major legislative agenda was repealing the Affordable Care Act, which failed massively. We have a infrastructure week every year that <laughs> results in nothing happening for it's infrastructure. It's a fun week though. Fun fact, uh, at any given day, it may or may not be Infrastructure Week, but the moment you find out, the waveform collapses and a cat dies somehow. I, I don't know how it works completely, but it's something like that. So we get, we get into, again, him pandering to right? not even pandering to minorities, really, but uh, going back to the brown people should be more... Uh, um,
1: uh, grateful?
0: Uh, <laughs> grateful for what we've done for them, right? He talked earlier about the great job numbers for all of them blacks and the Latinos, all that sort of stuff. And he goes back to when he was campaigning in the inner cities in 2016. By which I would just have to say, he means the cities. Because <laughs> they don't know how to differentiate those two. What he is went to an inner city, arena.
1: apart from a racist euphemism?
0: Right, but here, here's the other thing. What does you mean to campaign in the inner cities? He didn't go sit down at a mom and pop burger joint or something. He no. went to an arena, waited for people to show up, gave a speech, and then left. That's the entirety of what he did. He didn't go to the inner cities. Right, it doesn't make any sense to say that, but he goes back to what his line was, his brilliant logic, the line he gave to people who would ask him why should they vote for him, the minority audiences, he would say, what do you have to lose? To which the answer is we've we've seen over the last several years now what there is to lose. See, you know, jackbooted thugs riot police. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, Benedict, we're at the end. We did it. We're at the
1: end of this book. We did it.
0: We have, and I will as I always do, Re- and I will read the final two paragraphs because they are quite short at the end of this. I will read them and that is it for this book. So here we go. This is it for Triggered. Quote. In this election we have a lot to lose. From sea to shining sea, Americans across this great country of ours have a better life and more hope with Donald J Trump in the White House. I thought about ending this book with something sarcastic. I've been told that I can be that way sometimes, but beneath this snarky and handsome, hey, I'm a Trump. What did you expect? <laughs> 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 exterior there lies one enduring truth and that's my love of the united states of america let's keep it great end of triggered oh, by donald so trump jr
1: he did end with something sarcastic
0: <laughs> well i mean there's multiple bits of sarcasm in there i'm mean, a trump would you expect no oh, just the let's,
1: let's that was keep a call back for
0: us because yeah. we got that early on in this book so the self-complimenting times. what did you expect uh, it, it, honestly, there was some catharsis in getting that at the very end it. of this book. I
1: needed it. I it. built me up. I was ready. I was ready. I
0: needed it as well, Benedict. That's we made it to the it end of it. How are you Just feeling? About. How do I, you feel about that?
1: Sad, because now well, I have to read the fucking Ben Shapiro <laughs> book,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which we are not looking forward to. Uh, but you know, so so you know, before we leave, before we end this episode, right? D- did we? Can we say right now, before we go next episode and do our our retrospective, can we say, did we learn anything about the way that the right thinks? And I don't want to say that Donnie Jr. is representative of the right, but I think he's representative of a far larger portion of them than I would have thought 10 or 15 years ago. So have we learned anything about the way that they think? Maybe the way that they form their political ideas.
1: I think I, I, I don't know if learn is the right word, but it, it 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 is intensely reactionary and reactionary based upon little more than feelings, which is ironic for the facts don't care about your feelings crowd. Honestly, like, I yeah, think, I, I don't know, it, 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 it everything, huh, everything in this book was very either very anecdotal or based on weird dodgy numbers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They don't read. I, I again. They they accuse liberals of the worst of themselves. We've said this so many times, but it's like, oh, they only read this. Like, what do you read? Fox News. That's it. Like, so that there are things that you know we're accused of things that actually what's happening is they do that and they assume that that's that's what we do too. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, what it is, what is given for me is. I've learned what the result of the bubble is, right? Because we talked about, right, not so much the sources he cites because he's terrible at citing sources. He never does when he needs to, when he's making claims and, and, and says something happened, needs to back it up. But... Throughout this book, you haven't done much of this, but I've done a whole bunch of fact-checking him and research and looking in and trying to find where he got the things that he claims. And like you said, a lot of it is anecdotal. But those anecdotes have an origin, right? Mm. They're not just anecdotes from his direct experience. They're anecdotes he takes from other places. And so when I'm doing research for things that he hasn't cited, or even when he has a citation and I go to look it up and it's usually Fox News, Breitbart, something like that, um, I find that a lot of the times... It is like you said. These, this, a, there's an anecdote bubble, right? Mm. There's a bubble formed by Breitbart, Fox News, Newsmax, The Washington Times, The Washington Examiner, all these right wing sites, where everything is based off of anecdote and facts don't matter. It's the worst who's line version ever, where you know the the, the truth is made up and and fucking who gives a shit? Fuck the libs. Uh, so I've learned a little bit about. How that bubble works, because by his own admission, Donnie Jr. gets most of his information off of social media, right? And social media, you know, is even worse than, than if you go and read all those right-wing news sites and newspapers and things. Because social media, you don't even need to to provide sourcing. Just someone tweeted this. And we saw that multiple times throughout this book, where he's just quoting things that people tweeted. Quoting things that supposedly happened. Someone's version of the story, right? Even I would say that's even worse than the bullshit quoting of Andy No and shit like that. Because there's no need. The bubble is so complete. I think we've we, the, what, what makes today the time we live in difference and the reason why we can get this fucking book is that the bubble has completed. We had previously a partial bubble, right? We had we were you know, 130 degrees of the way to having a full dome on that <laughs> bubble. We're now 180 degrees. It covers from one side to the other. The bubble is enclosed, and we live in entirely different worlds where and and this is like i have the benefit of having been in the other bubble right so yeah. i know where that stuff's coming from but even now i i go back and i do this research it's so different than i remember from the time when i was like that it's so remarkably different to me that it has i think completed there's no more outside noise coming in it's all the mm-hmm. bubble it's all in the bubble
1: yeah and i think that particularly say so for uh, you know you see things like we posted about it earlier but the the q stuff is very Mm -hmm. scary to me and and just the way people beyond just the information the way people's lives are being ruined by that kind of stuff and families are being torn apart that is intensely worrying to me i'm not saying donny jr as a is a q fan but you can see how he could be a stepping stone to to such things certainly
0: well, I think he does opportunistically promote Q. We talked about that in one of the oh he he
1: plays that. the he he plays the oh I didn't know Canard definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Benedict, uh, we're going to do more talking about what we read in this book in the next new episode. I think we'll probably have to, it'll probably be a long episode for the next one we do, because we're going to have to recap this one and talk about the new one. But we're going to be talking about it a little bit more coming up on the next show, and that's when we will do the drawing to figure out which patrons won our books. Uh, That's, you know, it's a little depressing to be at the end. You know, we laugh and joke all the way through these books, but to be at the end and to see that this is what we got, it is a little bit depressing to see that... That this is out there. That there's potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people who agree with almost the entirety of this book.
1: This was a New York Times bestseller, Kevin.
0: With a dagger, Benedict. With I, a dagger. It
1: doesn't matter. It's still. Got, I mean, it's still got a lot of of sales.
0: This like, is true. Well, I,
1: I I know that there were there were bulk sales, but there were a, this a lot of people bought and read this yes. book.
0: I, for one, uh, for for the next... I had to buy this one brand new, obviously, because it was a brand new book when we got it. The next one, for the Ben Shapiro book, I bought used to make sure I didn't give him a dime of my money and didn't contribute at all to book sales of his shitty, shitty book. So, that's it. That's it for this week's show. Remember, if you want more of us, you can find us on the Twitters at NYGBC Pod. You can find us on Facebook at... NYG, I think it's the same, NYGBC pod. Sure, probably is the same over there. Go check us out. And uh, remember, you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimick, AJ Brantley, Becky Scott Fairley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, Galactus Hungers. Goodbye. Goodbye.